0: Welcome to the Mile High Fi podcast. I am your host, Carl Jensen, and I'm
1: here with Doug Huntington.
0: Doug, what have you been up to? It's been a couple weeks since we saw each other last. I've been in California. What have you been doing before I tell you about my Southern California adventures? We did some uh, home
1: projects. So, actually, I brewed some beer. So, there's beer back there. I'm going to keg some stuff up pretty soon Mm -hmm. and then we did a little home project we painted our table which was i think it's oak and it was stained and we wanted to change it up a little bit and there was a little there was some damage uh from where i maybe i spilled something or there was some damage that we needed to clean up anyway from years ago so we uh we painted it and it turned out good we were just showing you our handy work which we're not We're not very handy so that was kind of a sort of a big project even though it was just painting yeah no doug i thought it looked very good and
0: elizabeth has very good design skills uh doug's partner but doug i've got some bad news for you and that's like the whitewashed farmhouse look is on the verge of going out that old shitty honey oak like uh these tables here which is probably similar to what your kitchen table used to look like that's right on the verge of coming back so you're going to have to remove everything you've done to that table sand it down and stain it in about two or three weeks so i'm sorry to,
1: to tell you that doug don't tell her that man don't tell her that that's crazy but I, I was going to say like this fine piece of furniture that i got from uh i think it was at home you know it's kind of like the equivalent to uh like harbor freight for furniture so it's you know the cheapest stuff that i could get and um in fact I have weights sitting. You can't see this uh, on the video, but there's weights sitting. You see the dumbbells down there I, just to I, hold it down. Cause these microphones are so heavy. It would pull the whole fucking table over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the table is probably like three pounds. And, uh,
1: yeah. But I, the point is the the finish is kind of what you're talking about. So, um, but we did, we spent time painting. It was a good project. I like those sorts of things. I would maybe you know, put on some music or something and just tune out. And it's, uh, you know, you're painting. It's kind of, it's very soothing.
0: So now I have to ask you, you've repurposed your weights to help keep the table from killing us. Um, Have you let up on your workouts, Doug? Like what's going on with those? Those do seem pretty light for you too, Doug. You've
1: got some muscle on you. So so maybe those were (laughs) deprecated. Yeah. You know what? I was uh, working out this morning and I was about to grab the dumbbells and I was like, Oh, where are those at? And they're on the table. And I thought, no, I'll just, I'll do the weights later. So I have, I have been lazy. I know we, we uh, were talking a couple weeks ago about some workout techniques and, and staying cool. It's a whole other topic. Maybe we'll cover it in the future. And I realized that I had not been lifting weights consistently for the last couple months. So, I go in ups and downs, and i've been doing more cardio and just more stuff outside than lifting weights so i i 'm on a little hiatus, a little lazy kick right now
0: <laughs> it 's all good it 's the uh ebb and flow I have to do a uh i had a weight exercise all set up for yesterday and then I had a waterfall in my basement, which we'll talk about probably in our next podcast. Uh, oh. But yeah, it's all good. I'll get to my weight exercise today.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. Well, how was the
0: trip? Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, the highlight for me was going to the Peterson Auto Museum. And by the way, my trip was to Southern California. We went to Long Beach, which is uh southern part of Los Angeles, I think. Los Angeles is freaking huge. So. I'm sorry, LA people, to offend you, but I don't know where the hell Long Beach is. It's south, though, like all the buildings and shit in that Hollywood sign are further north. But yeah, the Peterson Auto Museum is pretty cool. And then I know we had an episode about cars, Doug, and you probably weren't as into them as I was. Like, did you have car posters in your room growing up and and that kind of thing? Okay.
1: I did not. No, I I enjoyed them on a more casual level but yeah not not to that point yeah
0: yeah so so my dream car growing up was the lamborghini
1: countage which is kind of a wedge shaped thing are you familiar with that or i if i saw a picture i would probably say oh yeah i remember that yeah. one but um not specifically okay
0: no. yeah i think you would recognize it so i saw one of those in just pristine awesome condition and then they had a a car called a mclaren f1 have you have you heard of that dogger?
1: I have heard of uh, the McLarens, yep.
0: Yeah, it's probably one of the most famous sports cars of all time and I can't remember how many were built, but they had there's two examples that are very very rare. I think it's called the LR example and they sent these two back to the factory to have further modifications to to be done to them if not the the the, uh, the standard V12 huge BMW engine that made the thing very fast it wasn't good enough, they made these things even faster and this museum had one of them and I think I don't know if the museum bought it or a private person bought it, and is, it's on loan to the museum, but it was a $19.8 million car. So it's pretty cool to see that thing close up. But then the other interesting thing I saw was a Bugatti Veyron. Have you ever heard of that before? Oh. Yeah, it's a weird car. It was, it was pretty neat to see in person. And the, the thing about that was... I was talking to one of the dudes who works at the museum. What do they call those people? D-O-C-E-N-T, dachshunds or something? You ever heard that term before? No. I don't know. They they had a little badge on them. But anyway, I was talking to this guy. He said, yeah, we have to change the the oil on this car every year. And do you know what an oil change costs? I'm like, I have no idea. Maybe $1,000, $2,000. He's like, no, the oil change on a Bugatti Veyron is (laughs) $21,000. You're supposed to do it every year, <laughs> like holy shit what's the what's the reasoning behind that and then I guess you have to take the most of the engine apart to get to the sixteen oil plugs that you have to take out, so whoever designed that thing uh was uh an evil genius maybe or an evil asshole to make you pay twenty one thousand dollars for an oil chain, so that's crazy it's it, like. Yeah, Yeah. I know. If you're thinking about buying me a supercar, dog, don't get the Bugatti Veyron. I would take another NSX if you want to get that for my birthday, because that doesn't cost nearly as much to maintain. I'll note note that down. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate that. So it was really cool to see that. And just to be on a plane again after all this COVID non-travel stuff, it was a bit surreal. Mm -hmm. California was still locked on, but we were able to walk on the beach and uh, yeah, it was good.
1: Awesome. Yeah. How was the flight experience in the airport? Is it still like pretty easy to go through security? Because I, I flew a couple times over the COVID and quarantine and all that stuff. And uh, it was great flying because hardly anyone was there. Yeah. For No, it's definitely
0: back up to a state of where lots of people are at the airport, which which wasn't good. Um, It was Southwest, the flight was packed as it always is. I think like 99.9% of the world could be dead in a zombie apocalypse, and you'd still have a Southwest flight in the middle of the apocalypse, and it would still be full. And the other thing that would happen is there would always be some asshole sitting in front of you, which is always the case for me. I had some massive mountain of a person who, uh, yeah, he didn't want to wear his mask, so the flight attendants were yelling at him, and then he had kids that were screaming and yelling, so... Yeah. Southwest. Oh, well. Cheap yeah. flights.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I mean, you just get around a lot of people. There's going to be those uh, those folks that are annoying. You can find them everywhere.
0: <laughs> they are everywhere. You just don't want to have to sit next to them for three hours on an airplane. Oh,
1: man. So what's the topic for today?
0: So today, Doug, I thought it would be good to talk about housing. This is something I've wanted to talk about for a while. And it seems more timely than ever, given what's going on with the current housing situation. Have you been paying attention to what's going on with houses here in Longmont and a lot of areas of the country?
1: Just a little bit. I mean, we we closed on our house a little over a year ago, so that was like March, uh, late March of 2020. So we were kind of in the weird flux period where the world was sh- sort of shutting down. And, and then I know things have been just sort of insane. I was, I heard from a friend who lived in or lives in Bozeman, but she's moving because it's so expensive there at this point. So I know you have the, uh, sort of ear to the ground. I think that's the right expression with uh, real estate a lot more with Mindy's work and just a lot of, a lot of the th- people that you're friends with are more into real estate. So what, what is going on for the folks that don't know?
0: Yeah, there's just it's crazy. There's not a whole lot of inventory. At the same time, there's a lot of buyers. So the law of supply and demand, if there's not a lot of supply and a lot of demand, you're gonna pay a lot for it. So these houses that you know I'm thinking of a friend who bought a house on my street and he bought it. Our mutual friend Brian actually bought it for five thirty five we saw a poorer example of his house, a smaller yard, it wasn't as in as nice condition, so he bought his for five thirty five, I think, right around there. Uh, a poor example of his house went on the market for six twenty about a month or two ago, and it just closed for six eighty seven. So five thirty five to six eighty seven for a shittier house in a year's time, like what kind of appreciation is it? Like twenty five? That's uh I'm not doing the math well, it's still early and I didn't sleep well, but that's like thirty or appreciation. That's crazy in one year for a crab year house. So it's probably actually more than that. We have a, we have another mutual friend, Ray, who's been trying to move here for probably the past six months. And every time he just gets outbid, and it's not a small outbid. The house goes on for 520 something like that. And we think it's a reasonable price for the house. And then someone ends up paying like 600 for it. Like, holy shit. Wow. So it's insane. And I know if it's not your area, it's another area close to you, Doug, where they're building new homes. We'll talk about our housing situation in a moment. That you have to enter like a they have a lottery system that allows you to get a chance to buy the house. <laughs> Man, how the how the tables have turned and how they turned quick.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. We were we had a, a friend over yesterday, and we're we're chatting about our our house, which I, I love the layout, and there's a lot of things that I like about it, but um Elizabeth was thinking about like oh we could have gotten a better deal like the person across the street also purchased during the covid time period her place is a little bigger full basement and just i don't know if it's nicer in any capacity it's the same builder but it's just a little bit bigger and a little porch couple little things like that and i think she got it for maybe 15000 more well like a very small amount more and we're like ah did we get a bad deal but really we got a great deal because if we tried to sell it now like we probably you know we would be able to sell it for a lot more because there's just there's nothing in this neighborhood and like you said there's like a lottery to even have the opportunity to purchase (laughs) which is silly it seems silly
0: It's insane. Does that neighbor, was the basement finished? You said a full basement or just- It is not finished, but
1: yeah, bigger. And we only have one uh, window well down here. We're getting very specific, but she has like five and there's probably three times as much space down there because they, you know, we have a crawl space over there. Hers is a out, and it's just a little bit bigger of a footprint. So it feels- giant. Like I, I, we've looked at that house too and messed around in the basement and stuff and it's much bigger. But I mean, the thing is we don't need more space. This is actually more space than we would need anyway. I have a, I built a studio down here. I mean, we have that much space where I'm like, Oh, I'll just throw, I'll throw a studio down here. (laughs) I don't know, Doug. I have big plans for your basement
0: (laughs) and I don't know if it's going to accommodate them. We've got this studio, which, uh, we might need to expand someday. Uh, you've got your brewery operation out here. By the way, Doug is playing none of this. I'm telling him <laughs> what to do. The brewery operation, your home theater operation. I don't know. Maybe I had something else, but that might be all you have room for. Whereas if you have the other house, we could probably have all that and, and yeah. more. But yeah, probably a bedroom, your, your Pulp Fiction
1: dungeon down mm-hmm. there. I'd like to have a, uh, a sauna would be good. Yeah, a sauna would be good. Natural some sort of heat system. Anyway, so market is crazy around here and I've heard some of the same stories. And I chatted with a friend over the weekend who they were looking to sell their place that they, I think they moved in say 15 years ago, something like that on the other side of Longmont. And, they bought it for say two seventy, and they were looking to move They were looking to sell it for whatever five to six hundred is what kind of the range that they're in right now, but they couldn't afford to buy another place, of course, if they want to stay in the same area, you have to move somewhere, and they decided to stay and and upgrade some of the things, like what did they want out of a new house so they you know redid the floor, got new appliances, like whatever they wanted to do because, uh, yeah, they just couldn't afford to live in long... They could not buy... They could sell in Longmont and make a lot of money, but they, they couldn't live here.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so Doug, I'm going to go slightly off outline here. I apologize, but this brings up an interesting point. A lot of the advice in the FIRE movement recently, and I think it's the correct advice, is that a house is not an investment in most places, in most uh, situations you would be better off renting. There's nothing wrong with buying a home, but it's more of an emotional decision. And if you're going to do that, you probably would have been better off investing your money, investing that chunk for the down payment, and renting instead of buying. And there's a lot of variables to it that depends on, on, on where you live and things like that. So it's a very general rule. But here in the past year, that rule is kind of, in this very specific period of time. You might have done better actually buying a house have you have you thought about that at all and what do you think is going to happen like i keep on thinking of regression to the mean when is this party going to end and how is it going to end so i'd like to hear your thoughts
1: yeah i don't know i mean it definitely feels like a bubble and there's so much psychology going on with it too because you see that the homes are going quick and like Ray, for example, who's like put in multiple bids, like he really wants to get to Longmont and all that stuff. And he might end up putting in a bid that's like sort of irrationally high, which I think that's what we're seeing. Cause you keep losing and losing and you're like, I want to win this damn house. So they'll put in a bid that's higher, maybe have terms that they wouldn't put up with otherwise. So I don't know when it's going to come to an end, but I, I do imagine there's going to be some sort of like you said, a regression back to the mean and and the bubble will pop and we'll end up at some spot that's a little more reasonable because it just doesn't make sense, especially when you look at some of the wages, for example, back in uh, Bozeman, the wages were not very good. Like if I got the same job that I could get in a big city in Bozeman, it was like 30% less and it's even more expensive to live there now than it was when we were there and just housings, you know, even more scarce than here. Cause at least here, you know, there's a much bigger population. There's a bigger suburban area. There Bozeman is like the biggest city in the like Valley. I mean, hardly anyone lives in Montana. So yeah, I don't know what's going to happen and I don't even remember the original question, but I think I kind of answered part of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And one thing I think that's clear is, uh, Housing isn't like Tesla stock or tulip bulbs or Bitcoin where there's no limit. The limit is the amount of idiots who could throw a whole lot of money to it. Um, Note, I own Tesla stock, so you can call me one of those idiots. Uh, Please don't be insulted. But with housing, there is a limit. Uh, There's some people who can pay cash, but I suspect that most houses are still bought on borrowed money. You can only borrow a certain uh, multiplier of what your income is. So that's one bound, and the interest rate is the other one. And uh, there's been a lot of talk about inflation lately, so if if the I think the mortgages are most closely correlated to ten year treasuries, I think uh correct me in the comments if i 'm wrong so if rates go up and interest rates go up, buying power goes down so i I think this ride definitely is not going to last forever, and I don't think it'll last this much longer, like how it ends. The other question is is it going to are prices going to drop, or are we going to see a leveling off? And I th- I would guess it would probably be more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think people are going to abandon Longmont or wherever that they're at and go back to the coast, retreat back to New York and California, which has caused a lot of the appreciation here, I think. But, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, I'm not making predictions. I have no idea what's going to yeah. happen. It's just fun to think about.
1: I did remember... A portion of the other thing that you asked, which was about renting. And I think we're going to get into more of the details, but I know when we were sort of moving around and and looking at, you know, whether it would be better to, to rent or buy one of the big things, right. And it's easy for us to get distracted when the market's going up like this, or we have friends, or you see headlines, it's like, so-and-so bought this house and it went up by 50%. You're thinking, Oh, it's easy. Just it's a rising market. I'm going to buy, and it'll be great. Well, I'm a great example, and my wife is too. We both bought our first homes around 2005, basically the height of the market. And then we lost our our uh, well, I don't know the right way to say it. We lost a lot of money in the whole situation, and it was just bad timing, right? Our younger siblings and our older siblings, they did fine. Cause they were either leading up to like a rising market or we just hit the bottom and they bought their place and then they did great. And we just kind of hit it a little bit wrong. So if you hit it right, you look like a genius. And then if you, if you miss it, then you just, you buy a place and then you end up, you know, like, I, I mean, I thought I was doing the right thing and I was going to buy a house and like become a grown up and all that. And then, uh, next thing you know, a few years later, I'm like upside down on my mortgage.
0: So dog, you were a complete idiot with your previous one, but now we're both geniuses. So you've kind of redeemed yourself, but no, no, no. Uh, the truth is no one could have predict- predicted this. Like who would have thought the eff- one of the effects of a pandemic would be a skyrocketing economy, stock market, and house prices. No one could have ever ever predicted that. So as much as I like to think of myself as a genius. I am clearly not. And we both just got fortunate with the timing. And who knows, it could still end badly for us. It's always the uh, the unknown unknowns. You don't know what's coming and you don't know about... I totally botched that one up. But uh, <laughs> the the gist of that is we don't know what's going to be the next thing to propel house prices up or to, or to knock them down again.
1: Yeah. And wh- one more thing that I wanted to we'll ask you about and I guess, highlight. So people are moving from somewhere. And I just gave an example where someone wanted to live in the same town and maybe like make some money on the home that they bought years ago and like prove that they're a genius lock in that, you know, uh, profit, but they couldn't afford to buy another house in the neighborhood, basically. So people are moving from California, which I guess is a phenomenon taken over all over the place, right? They're moving to, uh, you know, people complain, no offense, California folks. I know it's It's a wonderful state, wonderful state, Uh, but it's expensive there so that people are moving elsewhere and Bozeman was the same. And uh, I think there's probably bumper stickers for many of the different states that says like, go back home, California. Again, no offense, California. We love you in California, but there are bumper stickers that I've seen all over. So uh, where, where else are they moving from? Because, right, there's not extra people. They're just, like, relocating to other areas.
0: Yeah, so New York is another one, and we kind of experience this because of our involvement with the co-working space. But we see where people are coming from. Those are the two big ones. Your snarky bumper sticker, though, there's another one I've seen, and this is very snarky. I like Texas, but I just have to throw this one out there. I've seen it. It says something like, hello, Texans. Thank you for visiting. Now please go home. That's kind of an asshole thing to do. I I would never put that on my car. These people are coming to spend money in our economy. And I've already bought my house, so if you want to come jack up Longmont house prices, we welcome you, Texas. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I I think it's mostly a coastal phenomenon, right, Doug, is people coming from these real high income or real high housing situations. And I saw this firsthand in Long Beach a couple of weeks ago. We were out there walking around, and whenever, whenever I'm in a new place, I like to try to guess what a house would cost. And then I pull up the, the, the Zillow app and see what it actually costs. And these little shacks, like not anywhere near the beach. These were like at least half a mile inland. Not nice houses, close to a million dollars, and a lot of them were over that. And then we were driving around. Los Angeles, my, uh, one of my daughters wanted to go to a certain restaurant. So we get off in this one neighborhood, and it was like little tiny bungalow things. That the expressway was right there. So I remember this one house, the expressway was there, the house was here, and then there was a busy road, and it was on this little like island triangle. And the thing was for sale. And in my head, I'm like, who the hell would want to live? And that thing, and again, nowhere near the beach, we were probably two or three miles away. I think that's got a lot of value. But I pulled it up and all the houses in this neighborhood were like two and three million dollar houses. So I can't, uh, I know housing is expensive in Texas. So I'm not sure, or housing is cheap in Texas. So I'm not sure why Texans would want to come here except maybe to vacation, but I can clearly see where if you're in California or, or New York, you're living in a little three million dollar shack and then you could have three million dollars to buy you a pretty nice house in Breckenridge, like in a resort. I, I'm sure there's a three million dollar house along mine, and whatever it is is probably some epic, ten thousand foot square thing with a pool and a helicopter pad and back. I know your house is a helicopter pad, Doug. So that, working that, on it, that yeah. might be overrated, but uh, yeah, I, I can't blame him for
1: wanting to move here. It is nice around here. It is nice. So you have noted on here that you live in a construction zone. So what,
0: what does that mean? Yeah, I wanted to talk about our own living situations a little bit. Both Doug and I own homes, but our strategies, if you even want to call it, that are slightly different. So what I do when I buy a house is I try to buy a real ugly house in a real nice neighborhood. And so that usually gets you a good deal on it because people don't want to fix it up. Although sometimes you are competing with other flippers. So I buy a house, for example, our current one, and we got this at a really good deal because it had a pool, but we paid about $365 for it, and we live in a semi-cookie-cutter subdivision. And I knew the nicest example of my home without a pool went for $598,000. So it was a substantial discount, but it was a substantially ugly house. So I do the math on that. This one is about $240 cheaper. I could make it really nice for probably about $75,000, including taking out the pool. It's going to be my sweat equity. So Uh, with all that said, I don't consider myself so much of a homeowner as a really long-term flipper because we'll own this house for a certain amount of time because of the work I'm going to do to it. I know there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to make a substantial amount of money from it. So that's been our strategy with housing. Uh, It kind of went downhill when COVID happened and I'm living in a construction zone. There's crap everywhere. And then Hey, look, I can't work in my house anymore. I have to homeschool an unwilling 10-year-old. Uh, so, again, unknown unknowns. I couldn't see that coming, and that's there's some disadvantages about a live-and-flip. And that was was one of them. You're living in this construction zone, which is very tedious and shitty. Uh, we've had some bad experiences. I've had multiple tetanus shots. Uh so that's the price you pay to do this versus you, Doug. You're a little bit different in that. You bought a, a brand spanking new home, which I, I've thought about often. And even in the midst of COVID, I'm like, to Mindy, fuck this place. Let's sell this. Let's get what we can for it. And I actually said, let's move to Doug's neighborhood because <laughs> <laughs> then we wouldn't have these issues. I could be a good homeschool teacher
1: and not have to worry about the house. Yeah, and we are, we are not very interested in doing the construction projects. I have a light interest where I, I, w- I would enjoy the skills. I've done some light woodworking and I have some tools and I'm okay with making some mistakes. And I love, like we talked about not too long ago, if there's something that you can do yourself, it's really great to do it instead of paying for it, especially when you're talking about, The expense of having contractors and the different markup and then having to just deal with the scheduling of contractors coming in and out. And then in a market like this where they have plenty of other work to do, it's probably even more expensive. And if they don't want to do a job, they're going to bid like crazy high. So that sort of makes sense. So we're not interested in that really at all. And we looked around at some older houses that needed they were in pretty good shape. You saw a couple of them yep. and some of them were in pretty good shape, maybe a couple little things, but at the end of the day, we would rather just pay for the convenience and it's been fantastic, man. I, I'm not going to lie to you. It's great. Rub it um, in, Doug. The, the worst issues that I have is like, uh, we had a warranty on the home cause it's brand new and dealing with uh, the warranty rep and like having to get that. But that is very, very easy to deal with like we have to open a ticket and then maybe negotiate with the people a little bit but yeah it's been fantastic to just buy convenience
0: yeah doug i think this brings up a really good point too not everything in life is about money and housing definitely should not be about money if you don't enjoy fixing up a house if you don't enjoy swinging a hammer don't do what i'm doing don't do the live and flip uh, if you're a well-rounded person like doug you can see the guitars in the background and doug has all kinds of other pursuits by um, like getting into a housing situation where your house isn't going to consume your life like it has for me i admit that i've been regretting mine a little bit because i've been wanting to to play piano and i've been working on some pieces and i'm also working on uh on, on learning spanish and i haven't had a chance to do much of that lately because i've been working on the house, which uh is why i 've been a bit envious of dog there's nothing wrong with renting either. It was kind of funny there was a stigma with that for the longest time, and I think it's kind of uh, it's kind of going away and I can see reasons not renting and the main one might be if you want just the stability and especially if you're raising kids and you want them to be in the same place and you want a neighborhood that's a little bit less transient maybe than an apartment building would be but Find the situation that works with you, but making a conscious des- decision—it doesn't all
1: have to be about money. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. and with the with the rental stuff, if you take out the portion of potential appreciation, right? We never know what the market's going to do, and you could be buying at like a bad time, even though you've had you know, 15 years of great growth in the area. It could be stagnant or it could drop, just like when I bought my place. But with renting, um, obviously, there's great advantages. You don't have to deal with um, things that are broken, new AC, or just uh, all the maintenance that you have to do. And people forget about the maintenance and the taxes and all those other little things, or will really just underestimate it. So, it's like, hey, there's maintenance, and then you may assume some amount, and then you have to replace the air conditioner, And it's several thousand dollars. And that kind of throws the whole equation upside down. So if you don't know if it's going to go up or down, which probably most people don't know, that's arguable. Some people will think that they can predict. I don't like real estate, though. I'm the worst person to talk about it. So, yeah, I think there's there's great value. If you don't like to do that stuff, then I think it's fine to buy a home. I I would want to have my spot because I like to have my own space. And I remember when I uh, read JL Collins book, buying a home is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a lifestyle choice and it's a lifestyle that I enjoy. And I am happy to pay like the extra premium to have that uh, flexibility and have my junk laying around and have a garage to do projects and a yard where you do whatever you want, you know?
0: Yeah. There's a lot of value to that. We should have saved this for a closing thought. Oh, well. So, readers, if you could just uh, listen to the next part and then back up like uh, 15 minutes from where we are right now and listen to that, uh, we'd appreciate it. We're, we're too lazy to edit any, any of this shit.
1: Well, yeah. was, it, was that the whole punchline? Did I give away the th- – I didn't even mean to. No,
0: I kind of think I started it like in the middle of talking. I'm like, God, I should have saved this for the end. But, oh, well. That's how our
1: shows flow. No, no, we have other points here. We can we can hit those. Where are we at now, actually?
0: So, so this is kind of like the pulp fiction of podcasts. We're not going in chronological order, and we
1: totally planned it that way. It's like a, it's like a journey. It's very cinematic and yeah, it's, awesome.
0: It's just the end is coming before the middle part of it. So, yeah, Doug, I think we're at the part of what advice we would give to a fiery person, uh, someone who's knowledgeable. They might want to retire early. They want to make a a housing decision with money in mind. What would they do, especially maybe in consideration of the current environment? And the other thought I had on here is if we would do anything different, maybe if we are young and single. I know we've we've talked about this a little bit before, but it might be fun to talk about this a little bit more. But as far as uh, if you want to retire early, my Buy two things where the first one was to make your living situation as cheap as possible. And again, you need to be in a comfortable situation. But I've been on the other side of this coin where we bought a house that was almost 5,000 square feet. We had four bathrooms for four people, and we were getting ready to finish the basement. So we would have had another bathroom down there, 1.25 toilets for every human in the house. No waiting ever. And it didn't really make us happy having this huge house. As a matter of fact, we sold that and moved to one less than a third the size of it. Because we enjoyed the community more, we found that the location of the house was more important than the home itself. The house is still important, but in this case, we did not like that community at all. We liked this next one a lot more. So you don't need to upgrade your house every time you get a promotion either, one Phrase that's in the American lexicon that I that I can't stand it makes me cringe every time I hear it is starter home like we're going to buy a starter home which is well why can't your starter home be a forever home do you need to upgrade your home just because you make more money and I talked to I can't remember who I was talking to but they're like yeah we we really like the neighborhood we like our neighbors. Uh, there's a park nearby. All our kids have friends to play with, but we just want to pick our house. I'm like, oh my God, you nailed it on the first try. Like, you're going to take on more debt to maybe be in a community that you don't enjoy as much. And I don't know whatever became of that. But yeah, find the cheapest house that's going to make you happy. You don't need to upgrade your home, you don't need to live in. A massive home. Doug, I know your future helicopter pad is going to have a lot of value to you and maybe to me if you let me use your helicopter and your pad. I'm just kidding. Doug doesn't actually have a helicopter (laughs) pad, but you don't need a a huge house. Uh, My other advice, which we talked about a little bit, is in our case, we make our house an investment, and that's by doing a, a flip on it. We're a longer-term flip. We're not going to be in and out of there in 45 or even 30 days like some people actually do, which astounds me. A lot of times that work is suboptimal, so if you're buying a house that someone has done that to, review it very carefully. But your house just doesn't have to be a place you live in. It can be something that makes you money. We we do the live and flip. We won't talk about that anymore, but there's two other things. I I was talking about this with, with Mindy, and I was thinking about Craig Kierlop, who I think you've mentioned and a lot of these strategies, I think, work better if you're a little bit younger, and you'll see why in a second. So what that guy does is he buys these houses with like four and five bedrooms, uh, without an HOA so he can implement the strategy of renting bedrooms out to people. So it's kind of like a, uh, sounds kind of like a reality TV show. And I know sometimes there's, uh, you have to make sure the personalities, um, are, are in alignment, but, yeah, he'll make money from these houses from the get-go. He lives there for free and he's generating income from the house because he's got all these roommates. So that's one thing I've seen people do. Another thing is to buy a a duplex, rent out half, maybe even get a roommate for your half. I know Scott Trench, the uh, CEO of Bigger Pockets, did that for a while. Uh, Yeah, roommates are a tough thing. If you're married and have kids, you probably don't want a plus one or plus two in your house. But if you're Young and if you 're twenty five and single and can find someone that you like who's going to pay you to use your extra bedroom and use your extra toilet what why the hell not especially while you 're young when the money part is really important, the more you could save when you 're young, the more time that money has time to grow, and the more valuable it's going to be as you grow older so yeah th- those are my two things. Live as cheap as possible, and if you can make your house an investment with a live and flip or or some kind of house hack, I know. Shout out to Craig Kierlop, who also who also wrote a book on this very thing. So, if Mindy kicks me out, Doug, I might mm-hmm. be asking to rent a, a room in your basement at some point. I'm not sure, Elizabeth. Or even you would be on board. Georgie, the dog, would definitely not be on
1: board. But. Oh, man, she, she would love to have you over.
0: Okay. Yeah. It, it might just be a tent in the backyard.
1: <laughs> no, I think we have space uh, right b- back there, and it'll be close to the um, sump pump. So, that'll be nice. <laughs> That'll be nice. So a a couple things. things. Number number one, I think the sort of house hacking and having roommates and that sort of thing is great. And I remember um, actually my first house, I did that on a small level. I had a roommate for about a year plus and I didn't have, I mean, obviously the money was great. It I think he paid for like half, half the mortgage and he was a friend of mine. We were right out of school basically. So we were used to having roommates and living that way. And he he was a friend of mine. So we were hanging out anyway. So it, it was great. And he was a, he was a good roommate to have. Shout out to you, Bill. And if I would, if I would have done a better job, I would have paid off more of the mortgage sooner and there were There were a few things I was just spending a little bit more. Luckily, I did invest in my retirement accounts, which you know that was a huge deal back then so maybe i can I can give myself a little bit of a pass for not doing everything right, but at least a couple things so I think that's a great move. And if you can afford it, if you're like the responsible one of your friend group and you're, you're a little bit younger and you can buy the house and like organize the people, that's great. Cause I maybe would have purchased a a bigger house in a better neighborhood. And then I wouldn't have been upside down on my mortgage. I could have like, just like Scott or whoever Craig had roommates and basically they're just living there for free They have an asset at the end of the day. And they're living with their friends. It's fun. You know, it's not a bad thing. Before I get into to my couple points here, milehifi.club. Join the email list. We always forget to uh, give a plug. So you can join our email list. We just let you know when new episodes come out and we'll start sending some other uh, emails with some things that we're thinking about once we start thinking about things. And actually, we're supposed to get our act together and, and do that, but... We'll do it soon, but send her for the email list. is fun. And
0: by us, it's me. This is my task and I have fallen short, so don't blame Doug.
1: No, it's not, it's not too bad. It turns out people get a lot of emails, so we don't want to bombard you uh, early on, but we appreciate all the people that already signed up, and then we hope to have a lot more folks on soon. So move on to a couple of my points. And I mean, your, yours are probably the best, the best ones for people that want to get into financial independence and just have some flexibility. And I noted a couple of things that were sort of plays off of what you said. So make your living situation as cheap as possible. That's great. And I know some people in my world, they, they move to like Southeast Asia where it's much cheaper. And a lot of the people I'm talking about, maybe they want to have their own online business in some capacity. So if they're in an expensive city, their money does not go far. And they may only have a, you know, a few months of runway where if you move to Thailand, which is still really, you know, it's becoming more and more popular, but it's still way cheaper than some of the Big cities or expensive cities in the U.S. or elsewhere, and uh, they may have two or three years of runway, so they have time to grow their business, and they can live. At least the people that I've talked to, they can live pretty luxuriously and have, um, you know, great food. And there's trade-offs for everything. I I don't think I would particularly like some of the places where my friends have lived, but. I think they've been able to have, you know, great food, a great lifestyle. They're enjoying a new place and maybe learning a new language and all these great benefits from the geo arbitrage situation. And you don't have to move there forever. You know, some of my friends were in Thailand for uh, three or four years and they moved back to the States and they were able to get their business running, enjoy things, travel around in in a different region of the world. And they, they have a great time, you know. So did you know anyone that did any geo-arbitrage stuff? Yeah, you know
0: what? I actually know a couple who just moved to Portugal about a year ago. I think Portugal is probably a little bit more expensive than Thailand, but it's still way cheaper than most parts of the United States. Uh, Speaking of that, you could do geographic arbitrage within the U.S., and I think that's what a lot of people have done during the pandemic, right? Because you've seen people go from New York to Des Moines, Iowa, There's a lot of great cities in the Midwest, which are a fraction of the cost. So you you can arbitrage on multiple different levels and in multiple different places. If you're living in Thailand and want want to do this, I think you're kind of screwed. You're already at the uh, the low cost. But uh, yeah, for most of the world, I think of that too, Doug, with you and I. We're in Boulder County, which is quite expensive. Uh, Most of the U.S. we could probably move to and have a cheaper situation as far as housing and maybe taxes too, depending on where you want to live to. But one other thought I had when you're talking about this is the whole van situation. Like uh, when we were growing up, living in a van down by the river had negative connotations, but now it's uh, there's a lot of nice vans and a, and a lot of people will just take a year or two off, buy a nice van and just go from place to place. And I think it'd be a pretty cool life, especially if you don't have kids in school. You give your kids a chance to see all these beautiful parts of the country and if you get bored of a place you could just leave if it's too hot you could just go north if you're in north dakota in january you can head down to florida so i think there's a lot of value to that if i could hit the uh, redo button i think i might have pursued something like that
1: i think that's a and i love road trips too and I, i like traveling by car you can see things and take your time and yeah, I, I think it would be a good option. Of course, there's a full rent, just like homes, right? Like you can get a, a cheap van, make it work. You can make my, my old truck work, you know, get a little camper, uh, topper or whatever, and it, it would be fine. Or you can get like a $200,000 van with, you know, solar and all sorts of stuff. So there's, there's a wide range and I think you can you can go overboard if you're not careful.
0: Yeah, Doug, if I get kicked out, that's a good point. We have a Honda Element, and I've actually slept in that. But if I get kicked out, if you don't want me in your basement, I could move into your driveway in the Honda Element. It might be kind of sloped, but I, I bet I'd be able to. Uh, I'd get used to it after a while, or I could build some kind of sloping bed for the for the dug driveway.
1: Yeah, I think that that would work fine. I think yeah, you could just build in the incline for the the perfect. Uh, the perfect sleep level. I don't. I don't know what word I'm looking for.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure about the bathroom situation, though. I'd imagine after living there for a couple months, you'd come out and be like, "Why are the plants doing so well? Like the, <laughs> that they're really doing well." And it would be because I. It would be because I was replenishing the nitrogen cycle. <laughs> so, hopefully, yeah. it never comes to this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, is everything okay at home? He keeps talking about me. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: no, it's actually great. It's actually great. No issues, but I like to have back backup plans for
1: backup plans. It's not a not a bad way to operate. Okay. So another kind of on the on the same level and I, I've mentioned that I worked in the Rocky Mountain National Park in college and someone just told me, Hey, you could work in national parks, you should check it out. I enjoy the the West and the mountains. So I, I applied to a different place or two and ended up working here and they do that for like all national parks. It's seasonal workers. So if there's a place that you enjoy, that's, that's an option that you have, especially, I mean, I'm thinking more people who either have the flexibility of like moving around because I had some friends who they were more like ski bumps. So I'll be honest, these were more hippie transient kind of people and they well, they were awesome. I had a great time, you know, meeting and and hanging out with them and getting to know them and everything, but they would work like in the national park in the summer. And then, you know, a lot of parks will close, especially if they're high elevation, like some of the places that I like to go to. So then they would go South and they would work in national parks that were further South and they would bounce around or they'd go to a ski resort and just work at places where room and board was either covered or really subsidized. So it's super cheap and you're, you're living in a place where people go on vacation. It's awesome. And I I loved it. You meet cool people who are also going on little adventures and you know, I don't think, I mean, for me, it was cool to do for a couple summers. And I think it's something where if you went on a sabbatical or something, it would be pretty cool to do that for like a year or so. And just move around if you wanted. I mean, you could sell all your stuff. I mean, you you could go overboard easily, but you could also just like take a summer off and take some time. All your normal, like stressful situations are like left behind wherever you came from. So obviously if you have like a family and kids, you may not be able to pull that one off, but if you're coming out of school or you just have like flexibility, or a great one, which um, I'm, I move jobs uh, only a couple times in my career, but it's really easy and it's very tempting to just like jump into the next job. But if you can take two or three months off or longer, do it. It's awesome. I took about uh, six weeks off between one job and you know I had vacation time and some other stuff in place so i didn't miss any paychecks but i took six weeks off and i traveled so it was yep. really fun
0: yeah that, your national park job sounds pretty cool not just for someone young but maybe for uh someone in their later years too if you're a retiree and you want something cool to do if you could get a job at yosemite like being in the most beautiful place in the world for the whole summer i can't god i kind of want to Leave right now and see what jobs they've got going on. I guess I've got kids. I can't do that unless I could bring them. They probably wouldn't go for that. But, yeah, that seems like an awesome thing to do, and it's something I probably would consider doing. I don't think I'd want to be surfing up hot dogs, but if you could be outside, have some kind of a job like that, I might even do the hot dogs. Do they give you a discount on the hot dogs, Doug? Or?
1: Yeah, you get a shift meal. I was going to say, I was slinging hot dogs myself. I mean, that, that was not a bad thing. I think I told you about the... Um Chi-Chi Pots, the chili cheese potatoes. Yeah. So it, it it was fine. They were pretty good. And I mean, you don't have to eat the hot dogs. You just have to uh, put them in the steam tray. And I mean, the water after the hot dogs were sitting there all day, it's not good. It was not good. Did you ever have a bet with a coworker like to chug the hot dog juice? You know what? I didn't. But a lot of that kind of stuff went on. There, there was a lot of... I mean, we're, we're in college, um, so people would do weird stuff for very cheap.
0: (laughs) Oh man, there's probably some nutritional value to hot dog juice, but you're probably taking more off your life than you're adding to it at that point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's like salt and nitrates, like not stuff you need. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And, um, okay. The, the final thing here, and I think I, I like to throw these points in because in the, in the fire community, there's a lot of, um, Frugality, which is great. Do what you enjoy, and I think a lot. Some people get turned off with the ultra frugality. So there's many different options, and you can do the live and flip. You can also just be reasonable, and I think it's really important, especially for me, to live in a place that I enjoy. So yes, it could be very cheap to live in, you know, the Midwest, which is fine. I, I enjoy you know, traveling all over and, and even like visiting and staying in a, you know, quote, boring place. I won't even fill in a city here. So I don't offend those, those people that live in the terrible city, but, (laughs) but the thing is I enjoy walking outside and seeing mountains. And I remember traveling to different places, whether it was when I worked in the national park and you walk outside and you see big 14,000 foot mountains. That's cool. Or when I was traveling in uh like Alaska and you you're at a crappy gas station in Anchorage, which is kind of an industrial city, but there's still snow capped mountains out there. Like when you go to the grocery store, you see snow capped mountains. I like it, even if it's a you know, not a beautiful city necessarily. So figure out what you like. Some people like the beach and they would really love that. So I think if you're if you're reasonable, right? Cause you can go overboard if if you're like, hey, I want to live in Long Beach, like It's a little prohibitive because it's so expensive, but if you could figure out sort of the balance of what you really enjoy and make whatever makes you happy, that's probably where you should live. And there's so many factors, you know, you have to potentially have a job, you have to consider the commute, right? So if you lived in a beautiful place, but then you had to drive two hours to work. Each day that 's not probably an optimal way to do things, but overall, I think it 's okay like we realized that we would probably be happier in a new home in the neighborhood that we really wanted to be in versus living whatever forty five minutes away, which or even ten minutes away. It turns out if you just go like ten minutes over, <laughs> you can get this exact house for like twenty five percent less I wow. mean we looked at a couple of those and we we thought, hey. It'd be great to have that house in our neighborhood. And then we eventually found this and just coughed up more money.
0: Yeah, so, Doug, Doug, that's a really, really great point. And there's not much I can add to it, but the one thing I will add is the point of fire just in general isn't to accumulate a huge amount of money or to have your dream house or a stupid car or some, some shit like that. The point of fire is, is happiness, and it just so happens that money is a way to achieve happiness. Money doesn't buy happiness, but you could set up the conditions for life that will make you happy. Maybe not having a job, maybe being able to live uh, live where you want, maybe being able to structure your day exactly how you want. So, yeah, uh, I don't think I can really add to what you said, but do it for happiness. If you've got a great community and you're in Seattle or something that makes you happy, but you're renting, why move 200 miles away to to buy a house where you're not going to know anyone or the outdoor activities might not be as great. Uh, yeah, the whole thing comes down to happiness. So if you're making a decision, if you're hell bent on owning a house just to own a house, I don't think that's the r- right way to think about it.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and I mean, overall, I was going to say you could you could buy a house, you could rent, and there's there's so many variables in here and you just have to figure out sort of the right combination for you because there, there are just so many variables, and everyone's a little different. Some people are going to be really irritated with traffic, like Carl and I, for example. We're just going to lose our shit every time we get in the car, um, and then other people are fine with it. They're going to be okay. They're more level-headed in the car. But yeah, I don't want to sit. I don't want to sit in traffic. I'm getting worked up just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, I have
0: to take a different way home from your house because there is a stoplight. That I'll miss like four times that lets like three cars through, and there will be like 12 cars there. And you have to sit there for like 10 minutes. And now I'm getting worked up too, Doug. I'm getting so mad. So, Doug, I think I'm going to. I know you offered me the D and d the Doug driveway, but I think I'm going to have to say I'm not going to go with the Doug driveway as my Honda Element living situation.
1: So we'll figure something out. We we got a tent and yeah, we can dig a pit back there for whatever you got to do. So, all right, cool. Well, any other, any other thoughts on uh, housing and, and whatever? Yeah, I think that's it. Doug. Uh,
0: do what makes you happy and not just for housing, but for life and signing up for our email list will make you happy.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll catch you on the next episode.
0: Thank you.